Welcome to the Critical Transit Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and you can find out more about the show as well as a wealth of information on my sustainable transport tour and other work at criticaltransit.com. On today's show, I will be interviewing Madison B-Cycle City Manager Claire Hurley from Madison, Wisconsin, where we talk about the city's new bike-sharing program and uh, where we go from here. Madison is a very nice city. I spent about a week there and uh, had a lot of fun riding bikes around, and uh, the public transit system is, is very good. Uh, as you can see on the, the last show, I interviewed the Madison Metro Transit Marketing Director, so you, I should check that out. That's that's a really great show. And uh, on this show, I'm going to be interviewing Claire Hurley, who is the City Manager for Madison B-Cycle. This is, as Claire explains, the third-generation bike-sharing program in Madison, Wisconsin, it is uh, one of the early installations of bike sharing, and bike sharing is growing by leaps and bounds. I think there's going to be about 30 of them popping up this year, and you know many of them are in smaller cities, so they haven't gotten quite as much publicity as uh, bike sharing in, in uh, Boston and Washington, D.C., uh, but New York is supposed to come online this year, as well as uh, Chicago and maybe San Francisco and Portland and some other big cities, so it's, it's really exciting, and... Uh, you know, New York has started to put some of the docks on the street, so it's after a lot of delay, it's it's real, it's happening, and uh, I know on uh, streetsblog.org you can find out a lot more information on, on that. Uh, Brooklyn Spoke has also been a, a great resource for filling us in on developments regarding bike share in New York, and uh, I hope to be in New York in about a month or so, uh, just seeing the system and uh, reporting on it and reporting on all the other things in New York City. So that's coming up. I do want to say that the actual interview was recorded uh, about two weeks ago when I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, and I've been working on editing that. And, uh, and I also have for you a few snippets of uh, my tour to B-Cycle, where I rode around the city and went to every B-Cycle docking station. And uh, it was a great way to see the city, have some fun, and uh, it only cost me uh, the cost of one one-day membership, uh, which was $5. So that was a pretty good deal. And every little one was... Every little ride was was uh, under a half hour, and uh, some of them were only a minute or two because many of the stations were very close together. So I'll, I'll share that with you. But before I go any further, I uh, do want to say that I'm, I'm recording this intro on and editing the podcast on uh, Wednesday. This is April 17th, and uh, it's a couple of days after the Boston Marathon bombing. And if you if you haven't heard, I'm sure you you have. Uh, but if you've been living under a rock. Um, there were two bombs that went off at uh, the Boston Marathon on Monday in in the city of Boston. And um, at this point, we don't really know much about uh, much of anything, really. Uh, we know that uh, they were bombs, and uh, you know there was a uh, intentional harm. But uh, we don't we don't know who did it, um, which is a little weird because usually in the you know, for a terrorist act, usually you would uh, you would want to claim responsibility so that you can uh, 
make your demands known. Uh, that's kind of the point of terrorism. But um, but in any case, I, I do want to say that I, I really hope that we are not going to further militarize our cities because that really doesn't help anything. Um, I've already seen reports of people uh, saying that uh, there, there are police and machine guns uh, you know, standing around different points of the city, and um, that just doesn't help anything. Um, that is not going to prevent uh, somebody from uh, setting off a bomb, if that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, but what it does is it makes it makes our uh, places less enjoyable, and it makes our our uh, public servants and you know police less approachable, and it makes fewer people use transit. You know, because if you you really want to get on the subway car with uh, you know a bunch of people standing around there with machine guns, um, and you know searching all your bags all the time and and all this stuff, it's just this hyper vigilant state that Boston really hasn't experienced. Uh, you know, even New York kind of went crazy after September 11th, uh, 2001. And they just, you know, they closed off all these public spaces, and now the police are everywhere, and the police get so much funding, and they're always, you know, everybody's always, oh, anti-terrorism, you know, and the police uh, do so many horrible things, and get so much money, and they have basically no accountability, because everybody's relying on them to somehow stop terrorism, and it's like this idea that the police can't be questioned. So and the actions of of the city, you know, can't be questioned as as long as they say it's you know fighting terrorism. And I really hope that Boston doesn't go down that road. Um, and yeah, so I think um, another thing that I'll that I'll add is that it's uh, it's important to I think it's good to put this in, in a little bit of perspective and just think about how uh, we have been uh, bombing other countries for many decades or many years at least, and. Uh, you know, you name, I mean, tons of countries, you know, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, uh, Somalia, Iraq, uh, you know, and there's, and now there's all this, this uh, talk of, of uh, you know, going to war with North Korea and um, this stuff, unfortunately, I'm afraid that this stuff is going to escalate now that this, this action is going to be linked to some uh, Muslim extremist. Um, I'm, I'm really afraid if that is the case. Um, I'm really hoping that it turns out to be some middle-aged white guy so that we don't go and start four more illegal wars without end. I guess that's what I have to say about about that. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, I'm sorry to, to hear what happened. And obviously we want to find out what happened and I'll wait to have further comments until we know more about what happened and why and can respond in a, in a proper way. And let's not, let's not be reactionary. Let's not, you know, there's a lot of racism going around, you know, people just saying horrible things about, about Muslims, even though there's no evidence whatsoever that, uh, I mean, we don't have any idea who did what, and there's no, no reason for that kind of stuff. And even if, even if it were to turn out to be somebody of Muslim background, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we should go profiling brown people and that we should be saying bad things about Muslims or anything like that. Um, let's just try to try to keep this in perspective and let's try not to be so crazy to the point that we uh, look at everybody suspiciously on public transit and um, you know start searching people for, for nothing and have all these suspicious packages and suspicious activity and all that um, because we got to go about our lives. Um, now we're going to move into the better part of the show, and this is my interview with Madison B. Cycle Manager Claire Hurley, 
about B-Cycle, and I'll come back and I'll talk to you on the other side and play some snippets of my tour to B-Cycle. I'm here in the Madison B-Cycle office, uh, the outskirts of Madison, Wisconsin, with Claire Hurley, who is the Madison City Manager for B-Cycle, the wonderful bike sharing program that's over here. Hi, Claire. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for doing this. This is great. Anytime. Excellent. Um, so I thought maybe we could just um, go back to sort of the beginning and just talk about, um, maybe for people who aren't familiar with bike sharing, just maybe we could talk about just what it is and, um, and then we can get into Madison. Sure. Um, well, bike sharing uh, really took off in Europe, um, and it's been a really heavily used mode of transportation in Europe for some time. Um, and in North America, the first really what we would call third generation bike sharing system opened in Denver um, in 2010. So, uh, first generation bike sharing is. Uh, Kind of, I don't know, know if you're familiar with what Madison used to have, which is uh, Budget Bikes uh, bike shop over on the kind of near west side. Just in the 60s, spray painted a bunch of bikes red, and the idea was that people would use them as they needed and then let other people use them. Um, so just completely free, um, just red bikes kind of stationed, not really stationed at all, but just left around Madison. Um, the problem with that was there was a lot of theft and people weren't really taking care of the bikes so they would find them in lakes and um, kind of washed up on shore. So um, that would be first generation. Second generation is what um, they've had in Copenhagen for a long time, which is um, they have a bike station similar to B-Cycle Station. You put in like one or two euros and you get a bike out. Um, when you return the bike, you get those euros returned. Unfortunately, bikes are typically worth a little bit more than two euros, so again, they were running into some theft issues. Um, and then with third-generation bike sharing, that's with when uh, memberships are actually associated with a credit card. Um, so Denver was the first system in North America to open in 2010. Um, since then, bike sharing has really kind of taken off in North America. A little bit different, I would say, than in Europe. Um, just the structure of the cities are different. So in Europe, the streets were made for pedestrians and horses, actually. So they're much narrower, and traffic can be a lot worse in a lot of the big European cities. So, you know, a little bit different than in the United States, where all of our cities, well, most of them were built for cars. So a lot wider streets, easier to take a car. Um, so bike sharing is steadily growing and people are seeing the value of bike sharing and using bike as public transit so I think kind of in years to come we'll see a lot more cities getting into bike share and having that as an option for public transit yeah and um and it's a it's a great it's a great option it's a lot, a lot of people 
um, really see it as they think of it more as biking and it's like oh well I already have a bike I don't really need it but mm -hmm. I mean it's it's I guess the way to think about it is it's more of a, a different transportation option mm -hmm. that's sort of like, true yeah yeah we've got a, a lot of people that because in Madison it's very bike centric um, we've got a lot of bike commuters in the summer especially and then even in the winter when it's below freezing we have a um, huge amount of bike commuters so um, the question that we sometimes get is, gosh, you know, I, I love it. I think it's a great thing, but I wouldn't use it because I already have my own bike. And um, we've found through surveying that most of our members actually have their own bikes. But bike sharing and B-Cycle is available for when you're downtown and you didn't bring your bike. Um, when you need to make quick trips that are, you know, you don't want to take your car and you don't want to, Maybe you don't have your bike with you, or you just don't want to take the chance of parking it downtown and having someone steal something off of it. So um, we get a lot of that in Madison, and we actually saw, and from in 2011, our members um, taking the survey really mentioned that the reason that they were taking a bike out or um, the reason they made the trip was kind of a novelty trip. It was just, gosh, I want to see what this is about. Whereas in 2012, we really saw the rise of the commuter. Um, and people were using B-Cycle as a, an alternative to taking their own bike, to taking their own car, to taking a bus. So I would say that it's a real supplement to the public transit system in Madison. Um, you know, you can always take a bus or you can take a taxi, but now with B-Cycle you have the ability to take a bike. And you actually don't have to rely on anyone else because it'll always be there and it'll always be where you want and then you can drop it off. and. When you don't need it, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and um, and that's that's the great thing about it is you can just make an instant trip, right? I mean, just walk mm -hmm. up, put your credit card in, and then yep. have a bike, basically. Yep, not waiting for the bus. You know, you're not... Once you pay the membership fee, you don't have to worry about dealing with money or exchanging money at all. So um, really just made to be convenient and simple. Um, and the great thing about it, too, is that you can really make your own route, whereas... With the bus, you're on a fixed route, typically. With the cab, you're kind of at the mercy of the driver wherever he wants to go. So with bike sharing, if you know some kind of scenic routes that you'd prefer to take on your trip, you can go that way, or you can go you know, the fastest way possible. But kind of that make-your-own-public-transit route is really exciting. Yeah, I've been having a good time here in Madison. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty small city, and um, everything is within easy biking distance. And mm -hmm. Uh, it's it seems to be very bike friendly. Like even, it's it's a really interesting geography in Madison. You get the the isthmus here in the middle, which uh, I'm still I'm still learning how to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's um I mean it's like a half a mile wide, right? So you, everything goes north south, and mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to get. So it makes it really easy to get around. It's like when you can you can walk for a lot of trips, but then you also have the bike option. It's just mm -hmm. kind of that perfect multimodal. Um, have you have you seen any any data on you know whether people are um, giving up cars because of B-Cycle? Well, in 2012, about 40% of trips taken via B-Cycle replaced a car trip. So, um, pretty good. We'd like yeah. to get it a little higher, of course, but um, we, we're really happy with that number because that's... Um, I'm forgetting what it actually translates to mileage-wise, um, but it's great. People are really using B-Cycle instead of their cars. And the reception from the community has been good. Uh, you know, how about how about like business owners? And mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times business owners are. Yeah, I think the most important thing is.
parking, you know, everybody drives and parks right in front of their store and they all do it right at the same time, and, you know. Yeah. Um, but how, how has the reception been? Um, couldn't be better, actually. Uh, we put the stations in in 2011 and we worked with the city of Madison, which helped us with an expedited permitting process. Um, we were on a pretty tight time frame, so um, they were really helpful in introducing us to business owners where we were going to be putting stations down and talking to them. Uh, the thing about Madison and the Isthmus, as you mentioned, is just there's a lack of parking. So State Street, for example, is one of the busiest um, shopping streets that people come and visit downtown Madison. And you can't park on State Street at all. You have to park in a ramp or kind of in some of the surrounding streets. So um, having B-Cycle and a B-Cycle rack nearby to their business is great for them because it's it's parking. Um, people in Madison are just very receptive to the bicycling culture and they see the great bicycling infrastructure that we have. So even when people are visiting um, and they maybe don't have a bike with them, they're just extra likely to kind of hop on one. And then um, we've also, over the past two years, had a lot of requests from requests from businesses wanting bicycle stations near or on their property. So um, that has not been a hurdle for us at all. They've been really, really um, embracing of the whole bike share notion. And I think I mean, even before there was bike share, there was just a lack of really personal bike parking in downtown Madison. If you are to come and visit in July or June, um, it's harder to find a bike parking spot than it is a car parking spot. Um, so B-Cycle bike sharing really helps with that because there's a certain amount of bikes and then there's a certain amount of bike parking spots. Um, but it's just people sharing, so you don't have to worry about someone else's personal bike or where to lock your personal bike because you can park it right in the station and there's room for you. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, that guaranteed spot and no mm -hmm. theft and all that. And, yep. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of great bike infrastructure around here. I mean, I noticed that mm -hmm. um, there's bike paths pretty much all over and um, almost all the way through the, the isthmus. Yep. And um, yeah, and then, you know, bike lanes in other places. And um, I, I guess that, that probably helps. Um, one of the things we we talked about in in Boston and and in DC when I wrote their bike share systems was that the you know as you get more people on bikes people you know like first is the people who who bike everywhere and they just want to try it and then eventually you get those people who you know wouldn't really bike before and then they try it and yep. um, and it's sort of um, in DC they talk about it as, as generating a lot of, of sales of, of people's own bikes once they get used to it and also the the politics. Um, that people become more aware of, of the needs of bicyclists because there are more bicyclists and, and it causes a chain in, change in the political scene. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you found as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we've got a lot of leaders in Madison, um, both business leaders and then also political leaders that are just very in tune with um, kind of alternative transportation. You noticed, and you, you mentioned the Isthmus, uh, and there's just, there's um, really two main streets that you can go um, on the Isthmus, but we just can't have that many cars in downtown Madison because you mentioned it's only a half a mile wide, so there's just not that much room. So in Madison, we're really lucky to have that support, and it was here already, I would say. So we've got, um, you know, at the city of Madison, there's 
there's just a an engineer that focuses just completely on bicycling and pedestrian design. So um, I would say that that ball really was already rolling, and we were able to we're able to definitely help with that a lot, and we insert ourselves in kind of the bicycling community. Um, and it's great because we're, we've got the, the bicycling side and then we also have the public transit side. So we're able to really help out in both aspects. One of the great things about B-Cycle is that um, all of the mileage and all of the trips are tracked on our backend website. So one thing we're able to do is share that data with the city, kind of show where people are going and show, well, gosh, it looks like there's a lot of people coming through this intersection, but there's a lack of um, awareness here. There's been, you know, a couple accidents with bikes. What can we do to make this safer? So putting in a bike box or putting in, you know, a separated bike lane or a counterflow bike lane. So we can share our data, which is um, something that you can't do as much with personal bikes because there's no tracking on those. You can put in bike counters and that sort of thing. Um, but just the time and kind of commitment that it takes to do a study like that is pretty significant. So we're just on a day-to-day, -day, hourly basis, just able to track that sort of thing. So it's really helpful and it's really kind of exciting to see because um, Madison, I would say, really has a strong um, dedication to biking and improving bike infrastructure. And we already have really a great network of bike paths, bike lanes, bike boxes. Um, so just continuing to kind of further the movement and make it easier for people to get on bikes when, as you said, maybe they don't feel quite as comfortable. Um, especially, I mean, last year in 2012, we have, we saw a huge spike in members here in Madison, and a lot of those members were coming from places like Sun Prairie, Wanakee, Middleton, um, some of the outlying suburbs of Madison, and using B-Cycle as a new park and ride. So they'd park near a station with free parking and then B-Cycle the rest of the way into downtown. And I've heard it saves, you know, $12 in parking per day. So um, really, I think you're right. It does help kind of get it in people's mind. Gosh, that's something I want to try. Maybe, you know, I don't feel comfortable in Madison biking quite yet, but I'll just try it. Maybe I, they have a friend that's a user or something, and just that extra encouragement helps them. And we really feel that once people get on a bike and try it out, that they're just, I mean, that's really the best way to sell it because people love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the true with a regular bike, too. You know, it's like mm -hmm. once you, you might be afraid of the traffic and everything else, and once you get on, um, it's just great. And yeah, just I, the sense of freedom is like, oh. <laughs> Finally, it's warm enough to get people that aren't like technically winter bikers onto bikes. So um, it's been exciting to see in the last week, we've had a, a lot of users and a lot of people just, you know, it's hard not to smile when you're on a bicycle, especially because they're almost whimsical. Yeah. The kind of handlebar <laughs> and then the basket in the front. So it's true. It's like every time I get on a, on a bike share bike, you know, usually it'd be a Bixie bike. I've never actually used the bicycle before yesterday. Oh, man. Um, I feel very honored that you <laughs> jumped on a Madison bicycle. Yeah. Um, I was very excited about it. And it's, mm -hmm. it feels, you know, there's some differences, but basically it's the same same thing and mm -hmm. um, and it's just you know whenever I get on it I just feel so happy <laughs> oh yeah it's great um, and there's a, some really cool uh, interesting bike facilities here I mean, we talked about the infrastructure mm -hmm. um, and I've met I've met a bunch of people 
already in the, in the past few days that said they you know they've moved here because it's it's a very bike friendly place yeah and um and it's it's different for me because you know coming from the east coast and trying to understand you know what does it mean to to be a bike friendly city mm-hmm. and uh, and i see a lot of really interesting infrastructure it's not not just you know the things that have been adopted elsewhere like the bike boxes and the, the protected lanes and things but there's also mm-hmm. um, bike lanes that are in uh, i was in university avenue yesterday and there mm-hmm. are bike lanes kind of um, on the left like preparing up for turns and yep. multiple bike lanes for different directions mm-hmm. and there was one place where there was um, there was a curb lane which wasn't marked as a bus lane but basically functioned that way and then there was a bike lane and then two car lanes and it, it seemed to work really well yeah well on university there's you're right there's a bus lane to the very right hand side then there's a really nice bike lane and then there's three lanes for cars and then on the other left hand side there's a counterflow bike lane because it's a one-way street um, separated by a curb. So, yeah, we do, um, we have a lot of great bicycling infrastructure, which is great. And we have tons of bikers, mm-hmm. which uh, really helps because people are aware. And I've visited Minneapolis multiple times, and just the awareness, I think, of drivers is really important. So, as you mentioned earlier, you've got people driving in cars, but they know they're a biker themselves and they've used the bike lane so they realize you know i know how that person feels when i get this close to them in my car i should you know give them a little bit more space so it's just the mindset and kind of getting people thinking about it and used to riding i think is very important awesome and um you know speaking i guess switching gears a little bit um i was i was riding yesterday over near the arboretum and I ran into a guy named Josh who was driving oh, yeah. a, uh, a B-cycle van. Definitely. And, uh, I was very excited to see him there, and he said he's the late night guy. So, mm-hmm. um, but he, so we were just chatting a little bit about about what, what he was doing, and yeah, he basically goes around moving bikes depending on um, you know to make sure that the stations aren't too full or too empty. Yep. Um, how does how does that all work? Well. Um so I mentioned our data tracking on our back-end website. Um, we track trips. We're also able to really get a snapshot and overview of what's going on um, with stations. So if a station is on the verge of getting empty or on the verge of getting full, what we do is proactively move bikes around. So we call it balancing, making sure that the system is at a good balance. We have about um, 200 bikes in the system right now and we have about 500 docks um, which are places where you put a bike in a station so it's always um, we find that a good ratio is two docks for every one bike and that way the system isn't oversaturated with bikes so we're not going to have a lot of full stations we're going to keep that you know half and half ratio of bikes versus open docks so people can kind of come and go as they please mm-hmm. has that been a persistent problem in any particular locations you know um no, we have, we've done, um, we've done a lot of things to kind of make sure that that doesn't become a problem. So in stations that are really busy, we've either expanded them to accommodate the extra use, or we put a station really um, close to it. So it's not an inconvenience for someone to walk a bike to, or ride a bike to the next station and just walk back to where they were originally headed. Um, And there's also a function on the kiosk itself where if you were to walk up to a station and it was full of bikes and you were looking for a place to dock your own bike, um, you can visit the station kiosk and it'll have additional options. One of the options is station full. Um, You'll click on that and it'll give you a list of the closest stations and the number of available bike docks. And it'll give you a 15-minute credit to get your bike to that station. So 
Um, I would say that that's probably, that doesn't happen very often because Josh, we have two techs that are constantly monitoring the system and making sure everything's balanced. Um, so we, we don't let a station be full or empty for longer than an hour, and usually it's a lot less than that. Um, we have, I mean, our usage is such that if you come to a full station or you come to an empty station, likely if you wait a minute or two, someone else is going to pull a bike out or bring a bike back for you to use. So um, doesn't happen too often where a bike is a bike station is full or empty. We do have the occasional kind of event where something is going on and, you know, like a concert or something at the Memorial Union. In those sorts of cases, um, we keep an eye on kind of the event calendar and just make sure that we're aware of what's going on. For example, football games. We have um, a small station, I would say it's 10 or 11 docks, right outside the football stadium at UW-Madison. You probably saw it. It's uh, right at the corner of Camp Randall and, like, Monroe Street sort of area. So um, in our kind of desire for people to bike there and use B-Cycle to get there, what we do for every home football game is actually put a staff member just at that location to help park bikes. So um, as an extra incentive to anyone that B-Cycles to that station and lets us valet park their B-Cycle, um, we give them a coupon for a free brat. So um, there's a lot of creative ways that we get around the, those sorts of things. And um, we, we know now where or what kind of our membership looks like and what they like to do. So we try to really work within those events. And we can, um, for example, another thing that we can do is we can set up a virtual kiosk, which is basically a station that's run off a computer. We don't even have to have a station at the location. So we can check bikes in and out just with a computer. So what we'll do if we have, if there's a party going on at a park, um, and a, we think a lot of our members are gonna be there, we'll um, work with the group that's planning the party and offer a virtual kiosk, kind of valet B-cycle parking. And our members can bring their bikes there, they can check them in, and then they can check them out when they're ready to go home. So we don't even have to have a station, which is awesome. That's awesome, it's like a portable station. Yeah. Just off a laptop. Yeah, and no, uh, no, no subway system can do that. So. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe we, can you talk about some of the other challenges um, behind the scenes, some of the other things that are going on, maybe some of the maintenance and, and other stuff. Yeah, well, um, maintenance-wise, our bikes get a two-week safety check every two weeks, and that's generated again in our uh, back-end website, so we're able to keep track of when each bike has been tuned up. That's something that Josh and Pat. Pat is our other tech. Um, so they're either in the truck kind of moving bikes around or they're on one of our tech bikes um, and biking around to different stations to do these two-week safety checks. Um, bike maintenance-wise, uh, we have not... The bikes hold up really well. They're meant to withstand all sorts of weather, all sorts of use. So um, really, we have a, we've had a few flat tires... Um, nothing major. So um, I'm happy to say that those bikes are bomb-proof, I think. Uh -huh. Knock on wood. <laughs> if somebody gets a flat tire, they just put it at the station and get another one? Yeah, just um, what we ask our members to do is park it at the station, give us a call, um, let us know. And what we can do from our office here is lock that bike down so no one's able to use it because it's not really 
no one's going to want to ride a bike with a flat tire. <laughs> so we lock it into the station until one of our techs is able to go and pull it out and bring it back here for a tire change. Cool. Um, and you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty dirty out there with the sand and everything and yeah. in the winter. And mm-hmm. um, and I was thinking about that. Is, is that the reason why um, bicycle and other bike shares don't operate in the winter? Um, I think there's. I mean, there's a handful of reasons for us here in Madison. So. Um, especially this last year we had a huge amount of snow and we work we have a public private partnership with the city of madison so we have located about 10 stations in places where they use where they used to kind of queue snow or pile snow in the winter so we take 10 stations out and those are primarily in the downtown isthmus area um, to make room and to help with snow removal and then um really the amount of snow that we get is such that it really doesn't make sense to have the bikes out at that time. We see a, I mean, we're very, very weather dependent usage wise. So even starting as early as October, when it gets down to 50 degrees, we see a sharp decline in usage. Um, in December, it's, you know, very, very minimal ridership. So kind of a combination of helping the city with their snow removal efforts and then our real decline in um, usage. And then also, I mean, I would say that the the cold weather too affects, so all of our stations are run on air cards and these really aren't meant to withstand weather colder than 32 degrees. <laughs> so um, it's a combination of things, but uh, we've, we at first 2011 we had a very mild winter and people were like where are the bikes put them back (laughs) in 2012 much different story we had um kind of a constant two feet of snow on the ground all the time so we just didn't have the desire for them to be out hey griff griff this is jeremy he's uh doing a bike trip across the midwest awesome Griff. good to see you good to see you griff's our tech manager so he is in charge of stations and bike functionality um we're recording a podcast for the world to hear about madison b-cycle awesome so uh, anything you'd like to share about maintenance or anything else so far it's going pretty good we're uh we're staying on top of everything we've been open a few weeks installs went well everybody's excited for spring Mm -hmm. excellent I took my first ride yesterday. Awesome. Very good. Cool. So um, I guess, yeah, maybe um, maybe in the future as more people start riding, maybe then, you know, we'll be looking at winter. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the temperature here in Madison if we see a sharp (laughs) spike in global warming. I guess that's true. Yeah. (laughs) You've got that on our side, I guess, sort of. Yeah. I think as long as there's (laughs) snow in the forecast for winter in Wisconsin, then we'll probably shut down for a while mm-hmm. um but about overnight i mean i notice it's closed from midnight to 5 a.m that mm-hmm. seems a little weird when yeah the transit doesn't run all night it seems like that would be a useful thing to have yeah we've had um a couple of requests for later hours so from 2011 to 2012 we actually extended um how late we were open we were open until 11 in 2011 and then we were open until 12 in 2012 that (laughs) um so and we open at 5 a.m uh we just again it's usage based we tested it out last year we had a handful of stations open 24 hours 
Um, and they just, the even the busiest stations didn't see a lot of usage. Another thing is we just, we also, we're a college community here and we have a lot of stations located near bars um, and downtown establishments. So we really, we don't want to encourage anyone to, you know, ride a bike drunk. Um, so we do close down uh, before bar time. And then we also, we're the most northern B-Cycle city, and we have run into a few challenges with our solar stations. So especially daylight savings time, kind of in the late fall, we see that our stations don't get enough sunlight to stay on for that period of time. So um, we kind of on a both logistic and then also um, member level, we just don't we don't, we don't have the capability to stay open later and we haven't really seen the desire for it, so. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess, you know, in, in closing, I'm uh, interested in any advice you might have uh, for other c cities that are considering doing bike sharing or maybe those that, that have it, um, whether they be your competition or otherwise. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, just experience from here and maybe from other cities. What is, what, is, uh, what is going on in the, in the background? That's the air compressor. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Quick way to fill up tires. Um, so we, I mean, I advice-wise, I would say that um, we're not really in competition with, at least on our operations level, we're not in competition with other bike shares. I mean, I told you earlier that I feel that it's a very collaborative kind of environment to work in. We're able to, you know, call up other cities and kind of ask them if, you know, we're, we're seeing this problem more and more. If you run into this, what solutions have you found for it? Um, so I would say that um, with cities looking at bike sharing, I just encourage them to move forward and really gain the support of city officials and business leaders. Um, those are really important to make bike sharing work. So we've also found uh, that bike sharing really isn't sustainable just through membership and usage fees. We really need sponsors and advertisers to kind of close the gap on operation costs. So you really need, um, I would say that you really can't do it alone. You need support of the city and business leaders and then also just very strong bicycling advocates. So um, we, we work very closely with all of those groups. And then I would say that also once you do have um, a bike sharing program established, what's most important I think is the team that you have. So we've got um, a strong team now and we've really dialed in our operations. So we're able to, as I mentioned, we have to remove 10 stations for winter. Our staff can do that by ourselves. We don't have to contract that work out. So um, I would say that having a really strong team is really important and really contributes to your success. Cool. Um, well, anything else uh, you'd like to add about bike sharing or bikes or anything else? Um, gosh, no, I think we've covered a lot, so. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for doing this. It's been a, been a pleasure to come over here and uh, looking forward to getting on a B-cycle again. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks. So we're back for more because we, uh, we wanted to talk about rides and, you know, as this goes, we could talk about this for hours, so. Yep. <laughs> well, um, we offer a really cool ride that's actually, I mean, it's, I've heard that really the shortest way to do it is still 40 miles, but you could do a tour to B-Cycle, and you could hit all of our stations uh, with one membership, so within 24 hours, and no trip can be over 30 minutes, and then you could win a shirt. 
Wow, so that's <laughs> that's kind of a cool ride that I would yeah. definitely recommend. I've done it a few times myself, and I took the more leisurely route, did it in eight hours or so. We've had a couple of members that have done it in less than an hour and a half. Um, so it's definitely doable. We've got a B-Cycle app. Uh, I don't know if you have a smartphone. I do. Okay, so um, that that can really kind of tell you on your ride where you should head next. But um, that'll really take you all over Madison. So we've got stations as far west as UW Hospital, which is over at the University of Wisconsin. And then we have stations as far east right now as um, Eastwood and Division, which is actually by a really good lunch spot um, called Monty's Blue Plate. So I would highly recommend that. Otherwise, we have had members go around Lake Monona on B-Cycles. We've got a number of stations that are on kind of the more downtown side of Lake Monona here, uh, like John Nolan and Law Park. And then we have a station, if you go around here to Olin Park um, at the Sheridan Hotel, which is not listed on this map because it was um, put in after this map was made, but um, you can take a really nice bike path all the way around Lake Monona. Right in there. Put it on the map there. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. yeah this, it's cool. That's actually, um, I'm looking at the map here, and these stations are kind of, I mean, they're fairly close together considering, you know, compared to bike shows in, in bigger cities, you know, or anything in bigger cities. It's a, just a smaller city, so you, that, that actually would be doable and much mm -hmm. easier than the, uh, the transit subway challenge that we talked about, and I talked about it on a couple episodes back. <laughs> um, we chatted with uh, the guy named Adam who was... Uh, traveling, he was taking transit subway systems uh, in London, New York, and Chicago, and you know, trying to do it as fast as possible to get every oh, station. Yeah. So this would be a whole lot easier and less time-consuming. Yeah, and we yeah. do. I mean, there are some great break spots along the way if you do a, a tour to B cycle. So um, I'd highly recommend a lot of the local businesses that are surrounding the stations. They're um, all about tour to B cycles too. They've had a lot of people stop in and kind of tweet about their experience. So. Um, yeah, density-wise, we're stations. We're not quite as dense as somewhere like DC or like Minneapolis. Nice ride. They have stations on almost every corner. I feel like when I'm up there using it. Um, but our stations are less dense, but kind of in places where um, there's a combination of land use. So local businesses, residential, kind of interesting places to visit. So I'd you know with any of our stations, there's always something interesting to look at around the station so um highly recommend that plus and then if you do a tour to b-cycle you can have your name on our champion board on our blog Ooh, nice <laughs> we've only okay. had 45 people take the challenge so far so all right is there a special prize for number 50 <laughs> there should be a special prize we could think about that <laughs> a free b-cycle bike no they're for sharing <laughs> okay so yeah, that defeats the point, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Although as cool as it would be to have one uh, hanging from my ceiling when I have a ceiling <laughs> to hang it from. Uh, you, would, you would feel guilty about it because yeah. they're for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did um, a super cool project last year called the Art Bike Project. Um, and that's where we handed over, we had a number of extra B-cycles that were older generations. So we gave them to the kids at the Boys and Girls Club to paint. Mm -hmm. um, the outcome was great. We had a lot of really creative bikes and it was really fun. So then in September, or actually August, we put the bikes out in the system for people to ride. Um, and for each trip that those bikes took, a dollar was donated to the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and we had a lot of people wanting us to auction those bikes off. 
Um, but I think the real idea behind Bike Share is that um, the bikes are not available to the highest bidder. They're available for everyone and they're a public transit system. So um, we ended up not auctioning the bikes off, but we did raise quite a bit of money for the Boys and Girls Club, which was great. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll wrap up for good this time. <laughs> Sounds good. We're doing a tour to B-Cycle, and uh, <laughs> here we are. We've just gotten off the bike elevator. <laughs> That's Becky behind me. It's fun. This bike is a it's a little awkward to get used to for the first five seconds, but once you get used to it, it's pretty comfortable and it's it's kind of fun. I always have a smile on my face when I'm riding the B-Share bike. Um, it's hard to get annoyed even about trying to find the stations, and uh, it's got a step-through frame and it's got fenders, generator lights, and so they're always on whenever you're riding. It's got an internal hub with three gears. It's got a little basket in front. So I got this idea the other day. I was talking to Claire from B-Cycle. And she suggested that we do the tour to B-Cycle. And apparently about 45 people have done it so far. So we're looking for the next docking station. It should be right up here at uh, Wilson and Martin Luther King. All right. We got a nice view of the Capitol right here. This is pretty awesome. It's a really fun town to bike in because, uh, you know, it's, it's bike lanes pretty much everywhere and we just bike down the Capital City Trail along the water. I don't know if it's legal to bike on the sidewalk here, but we're approaching the bike station. I'm going to do it. All right, so we've docked our bikes and uh, get the bikes out again. So our next stop is going to be one block in either direction. Oh, there's... Uh, there's uh, two stations on... Both on Wilson. I do consult the map here. So there's one on the other side. Is there one across the street, perhaps? The are the one that's all the way to yes. the left. Welcome to B Cycle. This is a bike sharing system for short trips. Cost equals five dollars. Fees for checkouts longer than thirty minutes. English checkout bike. Insert your credit card. All right, let's do that. And choose dock. This is number four. Bike has been unlocked. Here I go. That is pretty quick to get the bike out, but um, I can see how it'd be really useful to have, uh, you know, a, a regular membership so that you can just tap your card at the at the bike itself and not the kiosk, and just get your bike right out. Um, and uh, my seat has come loose. My seat has come loose. It's it's swiveling. <laughs> I'm turning. This isn't good. But we've reached the next dock. You can pick a different one. Yeah, I could always get another bike, right? Because we're at the dock. That's number three. This one doesn't do it. Alright. We'll get this bike then. In the bike share in Boston and DC, there is a button on the dock that you can push if there's a problem. And um, it's just a little red button if you, if you get a, need a repair, and uh, it will the dock will make the bike unavailable. Uh, but I don't see such a thing over here. Maybe that's three. This is three. Okay. 
think that's three. Okay, so we're going to yeah. go to four. Right, we're going to go to four. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to just loop the, you want to loop the capital? Sure, let's, um, let's go there. So that's Mifflin. Okay. Well, Becky is way ahead. and I have uh, dropped the map and my audio recorder. So hopefully you can still hear this. I'm catching up. And there's not yet a bike station right in front of the capital. So, um, but the good news is that means we don't have to go up the hill because that's pretty much the only hill in town. We see the dock station and there is a, a balancing van. Here is Josh. How's it going? How's it going? Not right. bad. We're doing a B-cycle tour. Oh yeah? Yes. Getting on the station? Yes. How's it going so far? Uh, pretty good, except uh, I had to dish my bike because the seat wouldn't uh, stay. Which one was that? that was, uh, that was over at yeah, one, bike 194 over at uh, JFK and Wilson. Yeah, I think the middle, or the... I forget which station, either the middle one or the south one. I'll be going to both of those next, actually. All right. Good. I turned the seat around so you could uh, see it. Oh, perfect. 194? Yes. Say sure. a few words about sure. what you're doing here? Of course. Sure, so, uh, yeah, I'm just Josh. Just what I'm up to today? Yeah. What do you... Well, uh, my biggest priority with the weekends is to make sure that no station gets empty or full and make sure they're all up and running. And then problems like you had with the seat post, I'll go take care of that so that can be out of the way as soon as possible. Um, on top of that, we're also redoing our pricing decals, which is kind of a one-time thing, but that's a big priority for this week in particular. So just uh, I'll remove that one and get all of the sticker residue off and put a nice new sticker on, something that looks a little bit cleaner. Excellent. This is the first time I'm riding a bike share with a helmet, so uh, usually I just don't have it because I'm just not carrying it at the moment. Uh, but today I have the helmet and the advantage is I have a nice mirror on the side of my helmet. So we're going to take a right here on Mifflin, which is, uh, says do not enter except bikes, which is awesome. A lot of nice bike infrastructure in Madison and one of the things I see here is a lot of places where bikes are allowed or sometimes bikes and buses where cars are not allowed. And here there's a, there's a two-way street with uh, parking on one side and uh, one side is reserved for bikes. It's about a maybe seven or eight foot wide bike lane. Alright, I don't know where this station is. <laughs> maybe it doesn't exist. So far it's been just under half an hour since we started and uh, it's going well so far. It's kind of a comfy bike, uh, you know, getting used to it. I haven't been on a bike share bike in a while and it's very similar to the Bixie bikes that you find in Washington, in Boston, uh, Minneapolis, among other places. And it's, it's kind of fun actually. I have a good, great time on it. Um, and I'm enjoying it. And then we take a right on State Street here. This is a pedestrian mall with a, open to buses, bicycles, pedestrians, and non-motorized vehicles only. And there you hear the number four bus going by. And it's a pretty cool little area. It's a, kind of rare for a city of this size to have a, a busway downtown. As we approach this dock station at Gilman and State behind the Lisa Link Peace Park, uh, the goal here is to ride around to dock the bike at every station and uh, never have a bike out more than a half an hour. And uh, that's all there is to it. So when I do this in Minneapolis, I should uh, I should plan out a route before I go out and go. I guess right? Yeah. That would be the lesson. Okay. So we're at number 13. You can cross it off. Let me get. 
few stations over in the East Campus. kind of have mixed feelings about the uh, bikes may use fall lane signs. Um, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be a good thing and like, like, hey, you know, give you that space that you need. But I don't know. I, I sort of wonder if it's... Because you can use a full lane everywhere, so it's just saying only in certain places. And I almost got hit by another B-cycle bike. <laughs> so I was waiting for pedestrians and then took my right turn. She came up along the right side and I almost right-hooked her. Which is why it's always important that uh, no matter what type of vehicle you're driving, you always look behind you before you make a turn. And always look to the right so that you don't right-hook anybody. Uh, that used to happen in Cambridge, in Boston, fairly regularly. If I found that if I didn't look to the right, then uh, there was that constant danger. Hawthorne Court is off University. Yeah, we should be at the end of the State Street Mall, right? Does it say State in Hawthorne? Hawthorne is State, yeah. That's wrong. Well, it's supposed to be... It looks like it would be the end of State Street by the library. That's what it looks like on the map. Hawthorne is... Okay. Um, um, let's go through this little basement. Are you guys looking for a particular place? Hawthorne Court? Hawthorne? Yeah. What is it? Hawthorne Court. I think it's off University. Sorry, I don't it's know. It's like <laughs> street street, but I think it's off University. Oh, got it. All right. Okay. I thought I could help. Sorry. It's okay. I think the map is different than the street description. Oh. Yeah, according to the map, it's to the right of University, or I mean to the north side of University, and pretty much parallel to the Coal Center. University in Bassett. Okay, well. Is that on there? Uh, don't see. Maybe that's 13? No, University. I don't see this on the map. They suck at this. Oh. Time for a new map. Not cool. Did they so give you, this to you? Yes. That's awful. We should be right around here. Right around where it's just. Not too far from where it's just 31. Before, which one did you circle? Oh, there's 27. 20, oh, 27. Wisconsin and Johnson, which is not the same place, so does not exist. Yeah, huh? Okay, we're at this one, okay, which is Gorham and the University. Well, yeah, right, we Gorham is University. We did 33, right? That one is not on the map. We did 33? No, we didn't. There's no 33. What? There's no 33 on this map. Wait, but this. See this shot from 30 to 33. This is retarded. <laughs> no. That's a bad word. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Lake Street. Let's just go. So we can go down Lake Street. We can take, a, take our right on Lake the Street. The 11 is what we were looking for, right? Yeah. We didn't actually make it to 31. I thought we did, but we didn't. See, because this 31 is what says 33 up there. and It's It's the same thing, though. It's the same thing. So we didn't actually make it to that. We hit 13 right here. Um, which... They don't have a 31 on here. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's take a ride on Lake Street, and we can go up and we can hit those. I'm sure we'll see them okay. from there. They're all on the right side of Lake Street. Well, this one is to the left, but we got left corner. Did we did? We got 33, which is 31. That was the one we were just at. Oh, okay. Um, right. And we're at this one, which isn't on that map at all. Alright, 11 doesn't exist, we couldn't find it So let's go to 17, and then from there We'll go along the lake to 21 And I guess we should always be on the lookout for uh, Phantom bike share stations that don't exist on the map What an awful 
awful map. And, what yeah. a shitty, shitty <laughs> fucking map. I'm mad at them. Yeah, these guys gotta get their act together, get a better map here. This is they gotta, they gotta pull this very shit disappointing. Together. Very disappointing. And Becky has gone all the way down to the lake, and uh, it's downhill. I don't really think that's the way, but I'm gonna follow her. <laughs> University Bicycle Resource Center. I can't find out what's there because it's a Saturday. But that sounds like it'd be a pretty cool building. This is the way. It's a path along the lake. Woohoo! I'm going by Lake Mendota and it is currently... Well, it's been frozen. These, these lakes freeze in the winter. Um, and it is... Probably not safe to walk on it, I would imagine. It's been 40 degrees for the past few days. We are on an unpaved path. Probably shouldn't tell Josh I'm over here. That chain doesn't sound very good. It's a nice day so far. Beautiful. It's uh, probably about almost 50 degrees right now, Fahrenheit. And uh, I saw in the weather forecast it was supposed to rain today. But uh, so far it has held off. And right now it's probably about 3 o'clock. Of course, if it does rain, and the beautiful thing about being on a B-cycle bike is you can just park it and hop on a bus or seek some shelter or whatever. Uh, but because we're doing a tour to B-cycle, we're probably going to be going in the rain anyway. Yeah, there's a bunch of dirty bikes here. I'm going to keep the same bike in case I get it dirty again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Becky's changing. <laughs> you know, what a rake. Somebody taped a little map onto the kiosk, which... Suggests to me that there's been some navigational issues. I gave him the finger, that's why he uh, beat at me. So now... So now we have... Do we want to go down here? I guess we want to go down here. So it's 32. That's all the way down. That's kind of an outlier. It is. Okay. Let's go to 8, Camp Randall Stadium. And then we'll do 30, okay. 32, and then we'll cut over. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll go right on. Excellent. You know where you're going to get over there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll just follow you then. So I'm glad I came with you because uh, I don't have to do that much navigating. I'm back on bike number 253 and let's... I'm not going to tell Josh that this is the bike that I'm riding because it's really dirty. Although I've seen some other dirty ones, I guess. So maybe I shouldn't feel bad. But, uh, but this is the thing about the bike share is that you don't have to do any maintenance. And uh, if anything goes wrong, you just put it in the dock and get another one. We're just taking a ride onto the Southwest Commuter bike path. Nice day, everyone out on bikes. And uh, there's a lot of kids, not only on the bike path, but even on the bike lanes in the streets. There's some kids riding around the Capitol. And uh, it's great when you got a place where people feel safe bringing their kids out of the street. Where I'm from, uh, that doesn't happen. It's great because the earlier kids get out, the more comfortable they feel. You know, they say with uh, foreign languages, you know, you learn it younger and uh, you do it better. So I think the same thing applies to bikes. I feel like there should be a little clock on the on the bike just in case you, you know, need to know if you still have time left. Do you mind riding in the road? I, I'm fine riding in the road. Yes, might be the first street I've used in a while without a bike lane. <laughs> but. Because I come from the East Coast, I know how to deal with that. <laughs> if I if I grew up here, I might not know how to ride in the street. This is currently going at the 
fastest speed of the bike, as far as I can tell. Well, there was no bike lane for two blocks, and now there's a bike lane again, so. Take that, New York. Did we miss that one? No, that's the one that we're, wait, what? No, that's the one, oh, we hit that, didn't we? I think I have to go. I think we might have to skip it then, yeah. Okay. They should give you a shot to try yeah, right. We should give you. Well, you can you can pick it up some other time. Yeah. You're There's, almost done. I mean, we almost did them all. So. One of the gears wanted to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm gonna see if I can find this one now. Um, Thanks for joining me. This was great, and uh, I'm glad you uh, hopefully uh, had fun. Yeah. So Becky has just left me here, at the in front of St. Mary's Hospital, as I I try uh, without her to find the station at Mills and the lake. Um, and I think we just came off of Mills, so I'm going to turn around, take a left turn, and we're going to get going here. It's like after I find this station, which hopefully is at one of the hospital entrances, which would make a lot of sense, uh, I find this station, and then I can, uh, could use a break. That's the best thing about the bike share, really, is that you don't have the bike that you're carrying around with you. You know, I have my own bike. Uh, and it's great, you know, I can I can take my own bike with me wherever I go, but the uh, thing is, sometimes you want to just, you know, lock it and forget about it. and uh, Or maybe you want to lock it up and uh, just take the bus. So you don't have to worry about it. And that's the greatest thing. So, I'm on Erin Street, which I think is close to Mills. There is not a bike share station at this hospital here. The rain is starting to pick up a little bit now. And I'm hoping that I can back to the isthmus before it starts really raining and I can get myself a break at a coffee shop or something. Here's the bike share station. Winger Drive and Mills. It's the intersection of Winger Drive and Winger Drive. Awesome. We've gotten probably most of the bike stations so far. I would say we've gotten at least two-thirds, maybe even three-quarters so far. And there goes a cab with a bike rack on the back. That's something I've never seen before. Talk about a bike-friendly place, you know, if you got a, a good bike network and a good uh, bike share program and you got a good bus system. And, uh, well, there's, there's your other bailout option. Is, uh, if all else fails, you might need a cab. And uh, if you can just throw your bike on the back, that's something I've never heard of. I've known a lot of people who have had a call for a cab when they get stuck with their bike in like the middle of nowhere and the problem is often the bike doesn't fit you have to take it apart it's a whole big mess you can just throw it on the back how nice is that put my bag back in the basket here get my helmet on and I think somewhere here I brought my helmet cover oh and I have my waterproof gloves here as well that's kind of useful and, uh, it's kind of annoying as I'm traveling I'm carrying multiple pairs of gloves <laughs> so uh, I actually own about 12 pairs of gloves, and uh, I've, I've downsized that for the tour to four, uh, but I'm still carrying these four pairs of gloves with me for different conditions. Yesterday, the generator hub on my bike, my Brompton, or perhaps the bulb itself, decided to die, so uh, I have no lights on my bike now, and uh, trying to get in touch with Brompton, and now it's the weekend, so hopefully uh, when the weekend is over, I can get in touch with Brompton and uh, find out why the bulb has died and uh, see if I can get another one. And uh, I might have to replace it and that's kind of annoying because they're expensive and it's only been six months. I have to pull over here for a little seat adjustment. Guess my seat height is now number eight. 
this morning it started as number seven. It's good practice and good bike fit to have your seat just high enough so that your leg is almost completely extended as far as it could possibly be extended without your knee locking on the downstroke of the pedal when the pedal hits the bottom. It's a very wide bike lane here. Says, uh, see some sharrows and uh, the diamond sign which indicates a restricted lane and uh, there's a big sign that says bike lane but no markings on the pavement. And kind of makes me think, you know, I've seen a handful of these restricted lane signs, which means that some of these facilities are really old. Uh, the other way you can tell that is that some of these facilities, instead of having a bike symbol and the arrow, they just have the text bike lane. That's a, an, a very old design. So you can tell that Madison started installing bike facilities, you know, much earlier than most cities. You're talking about a city that came out with its first bike plan in 1975. So it's been a long time, they've been at it for a while, and uh, and the restricted lane marking is really interesting because that's something that historically has been used for uh, bus lanes and, and carpool lanes. It just means that the lane has some kind of restriction that not everybody can use it. This is a strangely placed station because it's, it's right at the intersection of the bike path, but there's no access to the bike path because the bike path is in an overpass. And so... You have to go down a block in either direction, I guess, to get on the bike path. And so it's a little weird that the bike station is not, like, kind of on the bike path. But, um, I don't know. I guess there's no destinations right here. So it might not be the best place for a station anyway. There's a big apartment building here, so maybe that's what is generating all the trips. They collect a lot of data, and so they can figure out who's using them and or, you know, what types of trips are being made on them and, so, you know, adjust them. I think that's part of the reason we've been having so much trouble with the maps today is that the stations have been moved from the original locations and, you know, that's great that you can move them, um, but there is a predictability element there. It's like, you know, with, just like with transit, it's, you know, even, even though you might be changing something for the better, whenever you do change it, that always makes things difficult for a lot of people. And just, you know, changes things. So, you know, maybe you don't use it that often, but when you do, you want to know where it is and how to use it. I can't tell what kind of lights are on this bike, but they definitely generator lights, and they look... Um, they, they both have a... St the headlight and the taillight both have a stand light, which means that they're on even when the bike is stopped. So... The noise that you're hearing is the, the spring, which is attached from the fork to the bottom of what would be the down tube to, I guess, prevent the uh, wheel from turning too far, I guess. Um, I don't know, it is easy to turn the wheel too far on this bike, and, um, you know, it's very sensitive to motion, especially with the basket in the front. Um, it's very easy to tip over. <laughs> I'm in that awkward situation right now where I'm riding in the left lane, even though there's a bike lane on the right side, because I want to make my left turn. And, uh, normally at this point, cars would be honking at me, but cars seem to be just moving over to the right and leaving me alone, which is awesome. And uh, I'm making my left turn. I think the thing is that with, with a bike-friendly town, or city in this case, you get the situation where a lot of people bike, even if they're not currently on a bike. So, you know, maybe a lot of people who drive cars also bike, which means that they know what it's like to be on a bike. And the levels of harassment definitely are much, much lower. 
I think I only have about five or six bike share stations left. Once I approach this intersection here, and depending on if I have to wait for a red light or not, I'll consult the map. Let's push my beg button for a walk signal. I guess this isn't quite the beg button. Um, the beg button more refers to where there's a just an unmarked crosswalk and there's like yellow lights that come on to just kind of let drivers know you're there as if drivers have no idea you're there uh, but this is sort of a similar thing because it's um, the idea is like if you need a red light you should you know if you need to cross you should put this push this button and uh, the light will turn red and you'll get a walk signal but maybe uh, it's not gonna come right away and uh, it might take a while because that's the way it works like sometimes you push the button and there's a certain point in the cycle where you're like you're considered allowed to have a walk signal but it so it, it may not be that time in the cycle yet so even though you push the button it doesn't even acknowledge that that it received your signal and the newer ones acknowledge that they have a little red light that goes on to tell you hey i, I saw you push the button uh and sometimes they even say wait but it doesn't tell you how long it's going to be for the walk signal, and it doesn't make you think it's actually going to happen. So a lot of people just disregard them anyway and just keep walking. And that's why those things should all be phased out in terms of, in, in favor of automatic uh, signals. And if, if the cycle is longer than like 30 to 60 seconds, then there really should be a little countdown telling you how long it's going to be. So you're not left waiting and wondering if it's actually going to work. I'm going to stop here along Lake Monona. Enjoy the view for a minute while I check the map. It has stopped raining, so that's that's great. It wasn't raining very hard. I have to consulting my map for a little bit. It's determined that I need to go up the path a little bit and then take a left to head west to Gorham Street. Should be a station that I saw yesterday right by Lake Mendota. Oh, it looks like it's full. Oh no, the station is full. Oh no. This is the first time this has happened to me today. Oh, what do I do? I guess I'll go to the kiosk. You know get some documentation. It's be a busy day here over at the lake. See a lot of people out. I wonder if a lot of these people rode bicycle bikes to get over here. Station temporarily unavailable. Oh no. There's a big sign on the kiosk. And I don't have my phone to take a picture. I guess we'll have to just say that I was here and move on. Anyway, I'm going up Johnson Street here. I have a bit of a way to go before I have to reach a couple of bike share stations on the north part of the Isthmus. I'm turning onto Mifflin Street here, and um, it's a bike boulevard, which I guess means that it's received some treatments to make it more friendly to bikes. Um, pretty low traffic street, it's got these big showers in the middle of the lane, and in this block there's no parking, but there appears to be parking on other blocks. Um, but just places that have been given certain treatments, there's a couple of roundabouts and some of the other bike boulevards and other traffic calming devices and these big signs that say bicycle boulevard and uh, it's a picture of a bike this is may bikes may use full lane and uh, which I have an issue with because bikes can use the full lane in other places when they need it um, it's not like we do it to be jerks it's just sometimes you need it and the picture where it says bikes may use full lane a bike is a an illustration of a person on a bike with a child carrier in the back. Uh, not a trailer, but like one of those baskets that... Not a trailer, but one of those baskets that goes on the back, you know, on top of the rack. And, uh, you know, where the, that are made for a child. I don't, I don't even know what they're called. But uh, I wonder if that type of illustration has a little bit more of a psychological effect. Um, 
sort of, you know, hey, these are people and families and whatever, you know, be nice to them, don't be a jerk if you're driving your car. I don't know, that's interesting. It's probably a whole field of research and I'm sure somebody has researched that. Another thing about this bicycle boulevard is that there's not a stop sign at every block. Stop signs on the street that you're biking on don't usually mean a whole lot. I mean, it's because you don't have to completely stop for them. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to, but whatever. Who gives a crap about that? But, you know, as long as you yield it right away and all that, what, what matters to biking is stop signs on the cross street. Because if the drivers have to stop on the cross street, then it's easier for you the bicyclist, but if drivers don't have to stop and have to keep, you know, allowed to keep going on the cross street at potentially high speeds, then then you really have to stop and be alert and all that, and it makes it, you know, that makes it potentially that you have to stop all the time, you know, and you could be having to stop a lot, and if you want to promote biking and make biking easy, then you need to make it simple for bikes to go pretty long distances without stopping or slowing down too much. Oh, there it is. It's right on the other side of the street. Some of these stations are a little hard to find. I wish they would just put them on street in the parking space. It's like on the, you know, on the, right at the corner. So I left the Willie Street Co-op after about an hour there. At, uh, I left at 8 o'clock. I had spent some time there just, you know, getting something to eat and just uh, taking a little break. I was just reading the paper, you know, fun stuff. And then I rode down across the isthmus to uh, try to find the station that I was told by B-Cycle was recently added and it was not on the map. And uh, actually Claire just drew it on my map in a little circle. But I couldn't find the station. I rode around and around, and at that point it was dark, so I moved on. So that makes the second station that I wasn't able to find. I'm at an underpass on the Yahara River Trail, which is uh, a little bike path that goes along the Yahara River, which is at the northern tip of the isthmus, or the eastern tip, if you want to look at it. And uh, I'm taking a little respite from the rain, which is increasingly heavy right now. I uh, just figured I'd stop here for a few minutes under this nice underpass. And I'm just kind of I'm just kind of hanging here. I got two stations left uh, up in the northeast part of the city. So I'm just going to make my way over there. And once I do that, uh, I will I will be done. And that's very exciting. So right now it's probably about 8:30 and I started this tour probably a little bit before 3. I have to see if I have an exact time on the uh, on the machine stamp for you know the first time I made my payment, uh, but I got to get going pretty soon because I uh, I don't have much time left on my half an hour here because I left the co-op and rode around for a little while trying to find that station. So looks like the rain is slowing down, so maybe I'll get going. I am nearing the easternmost station in the system, which is going to be the corner of Atwood and the Capital City Trail. And as I reach the station, I'm thinking about my plans after that, which is going to involve getting on the Capital City Trail, taking it back toward downtown, and then from there, oh, and so then on the trail I'm going to stop at the last station, which is at Division and Easton, I believe, or Eastview or something like that. Anyway, it says the Division and the Capital City Trail, so uh, it seems like according to the map I can't miss it, uh, but we'll see. I just hope I don't get a flat tire or something over here because it's 
really far from the others. This station, like the westernmost station, is kind of an outlier. And I've arrived at a parking lot. Looks like a bunch of greenhouses here. And uh, I don't know if this is where the bike path is, but it might be through this parking lot. So we're gonna, we're gonna see if that's the case. If not, I'm a little lost. Nope, I don't see anything. Alright, well, I don't want to trudge through some mud, so I'm gonna go back around. Lots of bumps. Oh dear. Oh. I feel like I'm in the country. What happened? railroad crossing. I wonder if this is where I need to go. The generator light on my bike is just good enough to help me out here. Gravel. Oh, it's a bike path! Woohoo! The only thing is, I don't know. There's a big sign here that says bike path closed uh, beyond this point, and I would think that would be the where the station is, but maybe not. I'll have to consult the map again. It's kind of annoying. I feel like I shouldn't have to consult the map this many times. I feel like it should be much more obvious. And Maybe that's in the future, coming up with signs for the bike share system, so that um, signs in the vicinity you can just like kind of point it out so you can have a little help navigating. It would solve so much of the issues that we've had today. Okay, this bike share station is not actually on the Capitol path, so I went the wrong way. Well, after a little bit of riding and confusion, I see that this uh, place with the greenhouses is the Old Rich Botanical Garden, uh, which means that that is probably where the bike share station is. Turn in the driveway. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, natural reaction to a pothole. Sorry. Bunch of big, serious potholes here. So there must be a bike share station around here somewhere. So this would be station number 22. It says, Observatory Drive at UW Hospital. That's the wrong one. That's 21. This map is wrong. The numbers are wrong. Okay, well, somebody needs to work on this map because it's wrong on multiple counts. Well, this is frustrating. It's frustrating for me, but it's like if you were going to the, this botanic garden here and you were trying to find the dock so you could get into the botanic garden, the whole idea of using the B-cycle just got much less attractive, or if you're trying to find the station so that you can begin a trip, you might say, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not even going to bother. I'm probably going over half an hour now. Let's go inside, see if I can ask for help. Hey, do you know if there's a bike sharing station around? I feel like there should be one right over here and I didn't see it. Oh, um, I'm not sure if it's put in yet, but what you would do is oh. go in the parking lot and follow it around the corner and there should be one. Like on the other side of the building? Yeah, but I'm not sure if they put the one in here yet. Okay, because they put the other ones and all the other ones are out. So. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Maybe then it should be, okay. I haven't been over there in a while. All right. So. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. I didn't find it. Well, let's mark that down as a third missing station. Pretty high percentage of missing stations. There are only 30 stations and that means that 10% of them are not easily found by a, a person who desires to find them. Woo! Made it. This is the end. But even though I'm done, I'm gonna get back on to some more. Right now I have to go back to dock at Willie Street and Few, so I can walk back over to my friend Becky's house and 
get my Brompton. Because that's how I'm getting home. Yeah, I'm done. So that was a fun trip, and uh, I'm glad I did it. And hopefully Becky will finish it some other time. And uh, I might join her tomorrow if I have time before I go. Uh, tomorrow I'm heading on to La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is about a two-hour bike bus ride. Rather, uh, I could bike there if the path were cleared, but I'm not sure that it will be. And uh, I don't have a lot of time, so. I'll just take the bus there, and then from there I'm going to bike up the Mississippi River to Minneapolis. So um, I'll probably already be in Minneapolis by the time you hear this. So I'm not going to say too much more, and uh, this episodes will continue to be a good bit behind the actual travels. But you know, with my limited time with the editing and all that, it's the only real way to do it. If you'd like to edit the show for free, then you can send an email to feedback at criticaltransit.com. Uh, or you can donate, and I can pay somebody to edit the shows. But uh, seeing as those two things are probably not going to happen, then uh, I will continue to edit myself as I'm available. So for now, um, goodbye from the corner of Willie and Few in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Ride safe and uh, ride happy. Just look at that uh, B-cycle bike, you know? Everybody's got a smile on their face. That's it for today from Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did, then you will be excited to hear my upcoming interview with Nice Ride Minnesota in hopefully about a week. That's going to be either episode 32 or 33. Before that, I'm going to have some interviews from La Crosse, Wisconsin, and uh, also talk about my time in Winona, Minnesota. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and looking forward to some more exciting time here in Minneapolis, riding all the great bike trails and uh, great metro transit service. I have an interview coming up with Metro Transit. In the meantime, you can go to criticaltransit.com to find out more and read the blog. And follow me on Twitter at Critical Transit and on Facebook at Critical Transit. Send me your comments, suggestions, ideas for future show topics and guests to feedback at criticaltransit.com. And spread the word, tell all your friends, leave a review on iTunes and other places, and uh, do what you can to spread the message. And if you find this content useful, please consider going to criticaltransit.com and making a donation to support the show uh, and also click through some of the advertisements that I just put up um, to try to bring in some revenue to help support the cost of the show. Uh, it is not cheap to do, so anything that you can do is, is greatly appreciated. Thank you again for all of your support, and I will talk to you in the very, very near future. <laughs>